Thank you for joining us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. I'm host Carrie Freeman, coming to you from Atlanta in September of 2021. Today, we're going to be talking about a growing field of photojournalism, photojournalists who tell the stories of non-human animals by specializing in animal protection issues and undercover investigations of captive animals. Our guest is a courageous and pioneering animal photojournalist, Joanne MacArthur of We Animals Media. We Animals Media is a nonprofit organization that brings visibility to hidden animals through compelling photo and video journalism. As the world's leading animal photojournalism agency, it is their mission to document the stories of animals in the human environment, those used for food, fashion, entertainment, and experimentation, and to connect those stories to the individuals and organizations who can amplify their reach. We Animals Media has a growing network of award-winning photographers and videographers from around the world. Together, they created the world's most comprehensive collection of animal photojournalism. This globally accessible resource of animal images is made available for free to anyone working to inspire compassion, conversation, and change. You can find the photo archive, the stock site, at the website weanimalsmedia.org. Today, we're speaking with the founder and president of We Animals Media, Joanne MacArthur, an award-winning photojournalist and sought-after speaker. She was the main subject and heroine of the acclaimed documentary, The Ghosts and Our Machine by filmmaker Liz Marshall. Based out of Toronto, Joanne has been documenting, documenting the plight of animals on all seven continents for almost two decades. She's the author of three photo books by Lantern Books, The first is We Animals from 2014. It's featuring a captive chimpanzee looking at us on the front. Another book is called Captive from 2017, featuring a captive bear in a zoo on the front. And the most recent book, Hidden, Animals in the Anthropocene, features a pig in a factory farm on the cover, and she's looking right at us. I happen to know that spectacular book, Hidden, was just named Book Most Likely to Save the Planet by the independent publisher Book Awards. And one of the reasons I know that is that it tied with my book, The Human-Animal Earthling Identity, which happens to also feature photography by Joanne MacArthur, images that she shared with me from the We Animals Media archive of stock photography. So I'm very grateful to you. Welcome, Joanne. What an intro, Carrie. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here and have this time to speak with you on all things animal photojournalism. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I wanted to start with just asking you how you got interested in photojournalism that specialized in animal protection issues in terms of how you started. Oh, well, I had a lifelong love of photography, but I also had a lifelong concern for animals. And photojournalists are always trying to find their story, their particular thing that they can spend a lot of time focusing on. And I, I, you know, I hadn't really thought about animals. I was thinking about humanitarian issues and war photography. This was the direction I wanted to go in. But then when I realized that there really is a hidden war on animals that is perpetuated every single second of every single day, and that these animals are really underrepresented and quite invisible in the world, in our conscious, in the media, I realized that I had my work cut out for me. And I just started traveling, um, going to all sorts of countries where activists was happening, where I could join in on investigations. And I immersed myself in the world of industrial farming and fur farming, animals Mm. in labs, and boom, all of a sudden, like almost 20 years have passed. (laughs) Here I am. (laughs) 
Yeah, unfortunately, there's an endless supply of issues yeah. and and billions of animals in captivity who um, often, you know, are unnamed and um, unknown. And so uh, there's so much work for you to be done. And, and I like also not only are you doing the work, but then you started the We Animals group and the We Animals media to really kind of create a movement for animal photojournalism too, which I think is really cool. Yeah, it, um, you know, there's only so much that one person can do, one person and a camera. And because my goal is to help as many animals as possible, I really had to be strategic. Well, how can I reach more people? How can I get my work out into the world? Uh, who else is doing animal photojournalism and how can we join forces? And I'm so fortunate that you know, a lot of people believe in, in this mission as well. So we have over 10 staff members at We Animals Media, and wow. we're a small but mighty photo agency now focusing, as you know, and as you said, um, exclusively on the animal stories and how they overlap with important issues of our time as well. Climate change, pollution, human rights. Um, yeah, it's a big endeavor, but... Um, you know, funding is coming in. We are not for profit. People are believing in us and supporting us. And we have a lot of people writing to us who want to be contributors. So now we have a, a list of global contributors, filmmakers, photographers, writers. And uh, it's it's just, um, I guess we're doing the right thing at the right time, which I'm so happy about. And, you know, nervous I about agree. as well, because I set out as a photographer, I didn't set out to be the president of an organization. <laughs> but luckily, I don't need to know how to do all those things because we have such That's a team of- what the staff is for. Yeah, yeah, like just we have incredible, capable, wonderful people working with us that uh, this thing is really moving. That's awesome. Well, let, let me focus again on on you and and some of the work that you've done. Can you tell us if there's been a particular individual whose story you've told and you've seen your photos make a difference in that individual animal's life? In that individual animal's life, well, you know, there are some some big picture stories here where. Uh, a colleague and I posed as buyers of macaque monkeys in Southeast Asia so that we could visit these farms. We took photos and video that helped close down these farms, two of wow. the three that we visited. And uh, that was because we were working with a fantastic NGO, um, the BUAV, British for the, uh, sorry, British Union for the Abolition of Imposaction. Um, So I have all sorts of stories like that but you know it's funny what is coming to mind is how the animals have helped me yeah <laughs> and and how much I've learned from them like for example I I became vegan almost 20 years ago at farm sanctuary I was doing an internship and when you're there you have to be vegan um on the premises out of respect for the animals and I was vegetarian right. at the time and I thought well vegan's really extreme so I'm going to do it for a month while I'm here but then I'm going to go back to being vegetarian and it was like, you know, day two, I had my camera, I was socializing with the animals, it was after hours, and I was standing next to this beautiful cow named Arbuckle. And I was wearing leather boots, because that's what I had. And I didn't want to buy other boots just to do an internship. So I was wearing my leather boots. And I was taking photos of his legs standing beside mine. Mm. And it was a really cool graphic picture. I was really pleased. So I took this picture of his front legs and my legs. And then of course, you know, of course, a big ridiculous aha moment. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm wearing this beautiful animal that, that I'm just fawning over and that I want to protect. And, mm. you know, uh, 
putting together the pieces of the puzzle that, you know, led to my veganism and solidifying my animal rights. Uh, I guess I have, I have learned a lot from the animals that I've met globally. Yeah, that's a good example of the looking at your own feet and then um, Arbuckle's feet or legs and realizing, oh, it could be his skin that I'm wearing on my shoe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was also just interested too about how you make the animals feel at ease or how you put yourself at ease because also like the, what you were just describing in Southeast East Asia at this market, I mean, it can be a dangerous situation and the animals can be scared and you might be scared and there could be men around with knives or they're, you know, it's a business endeavor and they don't want anyone interfering. And like, I mean, how, yeah, I don't know. It it just seems like both you and the um, animals you photograph like could be scared. And I don't know how you kind of Mm. reconcile that or put them at ease if you can. I mean, sometimes I imagine you have to work so quickly that you aren't really able to engage with the animals that much. You're right. Sometimes I'm just there to work as quickly as possible to document, try, try to give us a glimpse of what it must be like to be them. So, you know, if I'm at a wet market with hundreds of thousands of animals, sometimes in one night alone, I really have to work quickly and unobtrusively not bother the people around me, stay friendly, stay curious and do my best to get up and up close and personal with the animals to show what they might be going through. But then there are instances, for example, at a, let's say a pig factory farm where I have, you know, maybe six hours over the course of the night to take my time and crouch down and, and again, capture what it might be like for them. So the pigs, pigs are very, very curious animals. I guess I shouldn't say that. I mean, probably a lot of animals are very curious animals, but pigs, especially um, if they're bored too, like they're so uh, bored. So what happens in a, in a pig farm is that what they are used to in terms of um, relating and the relational stuff with, with humans is that humans are coming in to either throw down some feed or to give them a vaccination or move them or take away their babies or pick up the dead piglets, mm-hmm. um, push them around, cut off their tails, crop their ears. Their relations with us are not good. So they're immediately on edge when they see a human come into the barn. However, right. Uh, they can tell the difference between someone who they've they've seen many times or someone who's just doing their job to someone who comes in who very quietly, you know, um, makes soothing noises or looks in their eyes and takes time. And so they go from fear to curiosity and to, you know, they want to sniff your hand or they might want to put mm. your hand in their mouth um, to get a sense of who you are and what you're doing. And, and um And that connection is quite vital in my work because if, um, you know, if they're looking into my lens in a, in a calm way and that puts them at ease, of course, I don't want to have them ill at ease, but then the people who are looking at my images can connect with the animals. So if the animal is connecting with me, they're connecting with the, with the audience. Right. And that's what I was exactly what I was getting at knowing that you're going to get better um, imagery, if there's kind of a trust or a calmness that then happens. So I, I appreciate that example you gave uh, at the pig factory farm. Now with your We Animals Media, can you tell us about some of the animal use practices that have been exposed in your visual storytelling or, or that of your colleagues? 
we focus primarily on industrial farming because there are just, <laughs> for every reason, it just needs to end. It's yeah. an absolute abomination for the animals, for the environment, uh, for people working in these industries. And Agreed. Yeah. And so, you know, billions are suffering every day and um, there are just so few lenses on animals in industrial farms, as opposed to, let's say the stories of wild animals. There are a lot of conservation photographers out there right. or companion animals, lots of photos of them. Um, and so we, um, we work with contributors globally who are doing this kind of investigative work. And we want to uplift this work because I think for a long time, it was just considered uh, emotional, the work of, uh, you know, overly emotional activists, uh, you know, like not, it wasn't, wasn't taken seriously. Why should we care about the animals we eat? But the more we learn about their sentience and their emotional and intellectual complexity, the more we, you know, we just can't deny that they deserve the respect that other animals deserve as well. And yet it's impossible. It's near impossible to get into these places. These places are hidden from right. view. They're behind lock and key and fences. They're behind ag gag laws. And, and so it's, it's like really shitty, awful work to have to sneak around to get into these places. And they're, you know, they're, they're full of death and suffering and, and cruelty and fear, not nice places to be in, but all the more reason for us to go and to show um, how animals are living and dying at our hands. And, and so with We Animals Media, we wanted to uplift this work, uh, help to give it credibility, help to get it out into the regular world of media with all of the other stories. And so we do this in strategic ways with films and with the communications department. And we've created this book, Hidden Animals in the Anthropocene, which is a five pound massive tome of what is and what should never again be. Uh, similar to what other uh, conflict photographers do. I mean, photographers like to make books because we care about the subject matter. We want to memorialize it. We want to give it a place in history. So that's what uh, we do at We Animals Media as well. Yeah, I, I like that you're archiving um, yeah. the lives of these animals and the abominable choices and policies we've made um, as, as humans at, at this point. Um, if you're jo just joining us on Radio Free Georgia, this is In Tune to Nature, and I'm host Carrie Freeman talking with photojournalist Joanne MacArthur, founder of We Animals Media. They investigate and expose the reality of animals trapped in the human world. Their website and the archive of stock photos to share is at weanimalsmedia.org. Joanne, as we need more diversity in our media storytellers, tell us about the work of uh, one of your international photographers in the We Animals Media Network, someone representing the global majority. Uh, that's one of the exciting things about our work is that it's very global. And uh, we work with NGOs all over the world. Not only do they use our work, but we team up with them. And one of my favorite uh, groups to work with is the Environment and Animal Society of Taiwan, uh, East for short. And uh, we spent three weeks in Taiwan with them, all of us with our cameras and video cameras investigating uh, what's going on in that part of the world. And it was a great 
partnership because uh, after we all worked together, we were able to put all of these images on our stock site so that people can use them, but also they were able to use all of the work that we did uh, for their campaigning. And so they are helping to improve welfare laws and to end uh, the use of uh, ducks in cages and, and all sorts of things. So uh, I definitely want to shout them out. And um, we also have a project called Unbound, which is about women on the front lines of animal advocacy worldwide. Uh, we found that, I found that everywhere I was going, there were women doing the, the frontline animal advocacy work, whether they were starting sanctuaries or um, vegans who are veterinarians, uh, lawyers, women in animal law, but also that there were a lot of men in power positions within their organizations or their sanctuary. And so I started this project that would highlight the pioneering work of women. We featured, I think, almost 60 women now globally um, who are just doing incredible thing. And I guess I, I wanna shout out Dr. Gladys Kalema Zikazoka here. She is a Ugandan vet, a veterinarian. Uh, she's a National Geographic Explorer and she started her organization, which is called Community Through Public Health, because she saw that the beloved gorillas that she you know, worked so hard to care for and give vet care to and to protect, they were continuing to die in the area that she worked in Uganda from human-born illnesses. And so if you want to save the gorillas, you have to take care of the people and make sure that they have, you know, they're not polluting the water and that they have good medical care and they're right. staying healthy. Yeah. And so here is this woman just being super strategic, helping animals and non-human animals alike. And, um, you know, she's changing the world. She's changing how you, how you protect animals. And she's such an incredible person. So I guess she's one of the many people that we got to feature in Unbound. Yeah, I love that Unbound uh, project. It, it has its own website, right? What's the website for that? Yeah, it does. It's unboundproject.org. Okay, because I know I've shared it with some of my students at Georgia State University, like in my environmental class, to um, just to show role models to, you know, for, for the students and, and people who are leaders. So I like the examples you gave of not only um, diversity around the world in people who are photographers, but also diversity in in you photographing um, people and women of color around the world that are um, assuming leadership roles, you know, in protecting, protecting animals, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite projects. And it's such levity for me, considering all of the horrible places I've had to go. Right. Yeah. It's so, a nice counterbalance yet yeah, to the scariness and the, the suffering that you see to, to have, yeah. you know, the hopefulness of all these activists. Yeah. And I, I firmly believe that we need to see the bad. We need to be aware, but we also need to be inspired. And I don't want my work to paralyze people. And I absolutely understand that it does that sometimes. And so we like to pair our messaging with, well, here's what you can do. And, um, you know, people maybe don't realize that they can be an animal rights lawyer, or they can yeah. found a sanctuary, or they could, you know, whatever science they're into, they can tie it into, into animal advocacy as well. So that's what I really like about Unbound. I do what I do in part because I had Dr. Jane Goodall to look up to when I was yes. young. I, I saw that incredible life she was living and I thought, wow, if she can do it, I can do something like that too. And so I want, um, Unbound is also you know, a platform for, for more women 
uh, and for pe- for more women to be featured, but more people to be awed and inspired by, yeah. if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and I'm, and speaking of like mentorship, there might be some people listening to this radio show podcast right now that are intrigued by this and they're thinking, oh, well, I like photography. I like animals. You know, I might want to be an animal photojournalist. Um, if you could just tell us briefly, is there a class they can take or some way they could get mentored or, or a way they could get started? Yeah, thanks for asking. And um, so We Animals Media created a masterclass because I was just getting emails every single day um, oh, you know, with like, how do, how do I do this? How do you cope? How do you shoot in? How do you light something difficult through a fence or through a cage? Yeah. And how do you do this? How do you do that? And so because I was getting bombarded with those questions for years, which is fantastic, we decided to take those main questions and make them into eight episodes in a masterclass on animal photojournalism. So that is at weanimalsmedia.org under the learning, uh, the learning button. And um, I, I think like three or 400 people have taken it already. And we have an online community on Facebook where people who have taken the masterclass can share their images and talk about their images. So I'm, I'm just so pleased yes. <laughs> that that's working out and that more and more people are, are wanting to go into animal photojournalism. And also that photography in general is broadening and evolving and that uh, people see that there is room uh, for this necessary new genre, which we, which we wrote a short essay about and, and coined because it is different from conservation photography, which tends to be focused on wildlife, and you know it's similar to street photography and conflict photography. So it's kind of a mix of mm. of all of these other genres, and uh, but this one in particular, APJ, we call it for short, is just so relevant to right now, and we need people to flock to it. We need people to do it. So I'm really pleased with the attention that it's getting. Yeah. So APJ for animal photojournalism. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And um, to, to wrap up for listeners who are interested in checking out the We Animals Media archive and sharing some of those high quality images that they might want to use on their own um, animal websites or books like I've used yours in books or on campaigns like I've used yours also on our the website for animalsandmedia.org that I do. Um, how can people uh, gain access to that or how does that work? Yeah. So again, in order to be as strategic as possible and make our work as available as possible, we have over 10,000 photos and videos available for free to anyone helping animals, campaigning for animals, whether you're a student or a protester or an NGO. And you just go to the website and uh, it's weanimalsmedia.org. And you type in what you're looking for, whether it's pigs in Sweden or chickens in Australia. I mean, we just have, we've covered so much ground now and you just select the images that you need and request them, whether you need high res or web quality. Um, And we're keeping a close eye on where they're being used globally because we want to be able to show our supporters like, yes, this is really working. And we're just so, we're just so pleased because lots of people, way more people than we even imagined are using this archive and we don't even advertise it that much. It's just, you know, it's word of mouth and through the NGO community and activist community. Uh, and it's getting used a lot. And, you know, we're adding new work every month uh, from different parts of the world. We're focusing more on work from Asia and South America so that we can supply people in those regions of the world with uh, work that they might need for their advocacy. 
That's awesome. Well, like I say, I've certainly appreciated it. So Good. let me just repeat it. It's animalsandmedia.org. Um, there's a stock archive there that's easy to search. And then you just explain um, when you just, you pick which ones you're interested in. And then you just kind of fill out a little form that tells Joanne and her team kind of how you're going to be using the images mm-hmm. and, you know, for good, <laughs> using them to help animals. Um, and then they kind of deliver them uh, to you. So it's been, it's been a great resource. Good. And I, it's weanimalsmedia.org. Oh, okay. Um, I'm sorry. I was looking at my, <laughs> I was I looking at the wrong thing when I was oh, saying that okay. animalsandmedia.org is where I have posted yeah. some of your pictures. Yes. We animals media, uh, Dot org is where she has her archive. And people yeah. often wonder, well, how can we afford to do all this work <laughs> and, uh, and give everything away for free? And we are donor-based and funded by grants as well. And so we have monthly donors at the $5 level, $100 level, and then we have uh, amazing uh, grant partners like the Open Philanthropy Project, for example, uh, who are helping us get ahead with this, uh, this monumental work that we're doing. That's awesome. Well, that's the end of our show, but I want to thank you, Joanne MacArthur, for being with us in on the In Tune to Nature radio program. And thanks for the brave work that you and fellow photojournalists do in documenting the lives of individual animals who are suffering behind the closed doors of industries or markets, helping expose these injustices to the public to show that these animals matter and to promote needed change. Carrie, thanks so much for helping us get the word out there and to uh, making animals visible as well. I know this is your heart and soul as well. So That's thanks right. so much. Yeah, thanks. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to In Tune to Nature, broadcasting every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time online at wrfg.org and on Atlanta radio station 89.3 FM. We post action items, news, and podcasts on the show's website, facebook.com backslash to nature. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of WRFG, its board, staff, or volunteers. I'm one of those volunteers. I'm host Carrie Freeman, asking you to please support independent, non-commercial media like Radio Free Georgia. And remember to take care of yourself and others, including other species. Thank you for listening. Cheers. <laughs>